Welcome back to Callum and David's Any Requests podcast. This is our Patreon requested podcast where you, the listener, can donate £5 a month to our Patreon and get to request us to do a podcast on absolutely anything you want. That's absolutely right. Um, last week we were looking at the uh, classic Harold and Maud, a uh, brilliant film, Retur- returning to the theme of films quite a yes. lot recently. Um, I'm not complaining at all. Love, love it. Um, and this week we've been asked to um, kind of look at, but also compare slightly with Harold and Maud, mm-hmm. um, uh, the wonderful film Miss Meadows. Miss Meadows, yeah, a film that's absolutely new to me, which um, same is 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 rare for me because um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I like to think of myself as a bit of a cinephile, and not many movies get past me. But yeah, this one. Um, I'd absolutely never heard of before. Um, never heard of, never seen a poster for it. No. Didn't he? To be honest, I kind of assumed its uh, central star, Katie Holmes, had kind of just stopped acting. Well, yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, this this came out in 2014. It's about six years old. Uh, as you say, starring Katie Holmes, who also exec produced it. As Katie well. Holmes or Holmes. Holmes. Um, uh, exec produced it yes, as well. Yes. Right. Um and uh, yes, it was written by um, Karen Lee Hopkins. Karen Lee Hopkins. And directed by. Yes, written and directed by Karen Lee Hopkins, who most people will probably know most from writing the script of Stepmum. Oh, okay. With, uh, I didn't Susan get Sarandon. Okay, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and a few other films as well. Um, She's also an actor as well, but lots of, uh, quite a lot of films. Um, uh, as a as a kind of uh, smallish uh, part uh, kind of character actor, I believe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't know many of the films, if any of them actually, that she's also written. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is one of a few films that she's directed. Yes. Um, but I did notice that you know the the little voice, um, mm. the the play is it Jim Cartwright? Um, yeah. There's a, a new film uh, coming uh, out Lee this Hall. year. Sorry. Sorry, Lee Hall. Right. Yeah. Sorry, no, Lee Jim Cartwright. Sorry. Uh, sorry, Lee Hall. Um, I don't know, I'm sorry for him. He, um, <laughs> he also wrote Billy Elliot, Lee Hall. Uh, yeah, he yeah, did, yeah, yeah. I don't need to be sorry for him. He's loaded. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the little voice I know is a kind of a northern uh, comic play featuring uh, an actor uh, who, regardless of who they are, has to be an incredible singer and a brilliant mimic mm-hmm. um, about a, a young woman who um, is obsessed with kind of like Shirley Bassey and, and all divas, you know, yeah. and can do all the voices but can't actually speak um uh, and kind of has no confidence unless she's inhabiting these characters great play seen it done lots of times um but this uh there's a new version of it coming out mm. this year um set in new york celebrating oh, wow. the diverse musicality of the city of new york but it's called little voice mm. so i'm assuming it's kind of a take on that but currently hopkins has written the uh, adaptation for that so i'm looking forward to seeing what they do with it yeah oh yeah yeah i imagine it worked quite well in america um uh, what didn't work well in america or anywhere was apparently this film um it uh it's uh, one of my favorite things you've ever done <laughs> i just want to get us back on track didn't it ruins it when you call it out oh, sorry sorry it was very <laughs> good though <laughs> um yeah it um kind of sank without a trace and 
um, got pretty critically panned. I think it's got about 25-26% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, mm, which again, harsh. I think it's hard. Well, we said the same thing about Mr. Right. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, we've been asked to compare. I, I, I don't think it's anywhere near as good a film as Harold and Maud. Um, mm. uh, but then that's because Harold and Maud is a, is a classic. I think I said last week, I think it's a masterpiece. You know, this is a fun, quirky, curious film um, that is trying to do something a bit different which i really appreciate yeah um, it's quite fresh yeah um in fact you know i think the whole feel of it is quite genre bending um and it, i like the fact that it's not patronizing but it's also not trying to be an art house film yeah which to be honest neither was Harold maud and it was panned critically uh and commercially at the time so maybe miss meadows might become a cult hit but i don't quite see i don't think it's as well made a film uh, to be even put in that same my, bracket my um and i, I caveat this with I, I i really did enjoy watching it but i guess my main issue with the film is i just think it tries a bit too hard um i think mm. the script is overwritten and, and in times deliberately so especially for her character mm. But then there are points when that's less clear when other characters start talking in that sort of very over-stylized, almost um, theatrical way of talking um, that that just, yeah, I, I then made it less clear whether that was her character or whether that was the style of the script. And I felt that sort of was straddling yeah. those two different things. Um, and, and the other thing I felt is I think it, it does pastiche a lot of other films quite a lot. And I don't think it's in a deliberate kind of winking way i think it's 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 in an accidental way that i ended up going oh, oh. it just made me want to watch those films yeah, rather film, than carry film on did that better or that film, film did, yeah yeah um, if you're gonna do that uh I, I d no less so than in the opening scene which is um katie holmes's character the eponymous miss meadows um kind of tap dancing down a street and it's very very white picket fence suburbia the color gradings way up on it there's yeah. a cgi squirrel at one point um the and a bird and a bird. bird yeah and 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 it's all meant to be very almost disney-esque and very fairy tale-esque yeah. it felt like you were watching cinderella and, strut down the road talking to the animals and so. i don't think you can watch the opening of this film and and not think about the opening of blue velvet i was gonna say that lynchian juxtaposition between yeah the idea of the perfect white picket fence which is now a i mean it's not that's a literal description but what also lur what lurks behind what yeah. lurks behind it is the monster of americana and that is that's what blue velvet does so wonderfully and, and that's my takeaway and many takeaways from the film uh this is exactly that also there was something about um kind of almost like the tap dancing is something that we've seen in 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 kind of psychodramas where you, i mean joker uh, yeah. springs to mind um yeah. or, well, even, or you know flashes of tarantino even even um uh mr wright on the podcast well, a few weeks ago yeah sam rockwell's doing a lot of dancing and that it seems to be a popular trope yeah um uh and kind of increasingly so um that that it's this way of juxtaposing yeah people um who perhaps don't think in the same way as as most of the people in the world yeah seem to channel that through dance quite a lot as, yeah. as this kind of yeah light-hearted uh, juxtaposition towards their darkness in in their souls or whatever but yeah. yeah but again i just went oh it's it's that again 
Um, yeah, so it, it, it felt trophy, um, but it was very pleasant, and I enjoyed it. it was, it's it, a fun. Uh, it, it it certainly made me go. Oh, I wonder what this one's going to be about. Um, and it had a lot of energy to it. And uh, as I say, the color uh, cinematography was really really nice. Um, and yeah, she tap dances down this road, um, and you think it's all going to be sweetness and light, and this kind of truck driver starts sort of um, tailing her, mm. and kind of it what starts as you know just general awful male misogyny shouting out of a car window at um, yeah. women by themselves kind of thing gets a bit more sinister and it culminates in him actually pulling out a gun and telling her to get in the car and she just gets out a gun from her bag and shoots him in the neck yeah um, uh, completely kind of yeah, blood spurting i think he so. went oh, oh okay <laughs> yeah know, it was like that yeah. uh, kind of reaction and As... then goes back to reading her book as she's walking down the road there's um, a um there's a line in the middle of the film um uh, where uh, one of the police officers um, says something about Pulp Fiction meeting Mary Poppins. And I think that's yeah. quite a, a, a good um, a, a description of what this film kind of is. Again, I don't think it's as good as either of those films, but um, um, it's still very enjoyable. And, and certainly that that mixture of this almost Disney-fied perfect world, but this, you know, quote-unquote perfect character being able to be capable of quite extreme violence yeah and it but it seems that way this is and i think this is one of the problems i like the opening of the film but i think structurally it's problematic because we don't really know what world we're in it doesn't actually do much world building because it isn't a perfect world yeah because we discover katie holmes is job is a school teacher and she's a supply teacher and she's uh going into this suburban school we should we should also say that the film is as far as we're led to believe, set in the present day. Yeah. But Katie Holmes is very anachronistic and is dressed as a 1950s housewife for the yeah. majority of the film. Which actually, there's something that happens at the end that I really like that's, that's a nod to that, but we'll, we'll get, we'll get yeah. there at the she, end. But, she um, drives a, a 56 car and... and um, yeah, um, wears the long white gloves and yeah, petticoats all, and all that kind of thing. Very vintage feel. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so then we're taken to her place of work where she we learn that she's a supply teacher and... Uh, you know, we're thinking, oh, well, it's going to be a white suburban, lovely school. And actually, it, it it is in the classroom in the world of Miss Meadows. But then you go to the head teacher and realise that the, actually the principal, rather, is, uh, you know, is not happy with her, what she's been teaching the kids, which ideas yeah. about hope and philosophy and overwritten poetics. Um, yeah. And, uh, and she gets fired and then she says, well, no, I'm just going to do it anyway and refuses to be fired. Yeah. And then she carries on teaching. So I'm like, oh, is she magic and powerful i don't i i know i i like i really like the um her her use of language and the fact that that character speaks generally completely differently to everyone else as i said yeah. there are points where that line gets blurred and that's and that yeah um has a negative effect on the film but generally speaking like that scene is a really strong example of i think the idea is that people because people don't really get her they just kind of let her get on with stuff yeah like i yeah. think that's the idea is that she's just still there because she kind of used her linguistic excellence to, to confuse and confound the principal so therefore she didn't really know how to how to fire her or that. to watch her and yeah. so just went okay fine i don't want it that you're weird she's an intelligent she eccentric but I, I can't be bothered to deal with it so yeah. she gets to carry on and and there's there's something almost um kind of 
on the on the autistic spectrum about her i think mm-hmm. because like for example there's a line um uh uh later on where someone's talking about pillow talk and she says pillows can't talk silly yeah and that's a very big thing about people um that are on the autistic expect uh, spectrum are quite a common trait shared is that they are unable to understand metaphor taking um, everything quite literally yeah. yeah so like when someone says it's raining cats and dogs they'd be looking at the window and expecting you know it's, yeah. it's that and there's quite a few instances where she doesn't understand metaphor in this yeah. film despite the fact that she's incredibly educated and incredibly intelligent which um, suggests there is some spectrum yeah uh yeah that she's on and, and, it, and yeah that there's something else going on perhaps as well and it would make sense as well because she does seem to have a detached kind of empathy as well so yes very true so so we we know that she's teaching empathy uh yeah. in the lesson though yeah which is kind of key so at this point in the film yeah. we're going oh well you seem to really understand the idea of morality and mm-hmm. goodness mm-hmm. uh but the way she talks about it is that of a kind of physicist talking about how an atom is built you know yeah. uh, or even less philosophically than that yeah. um it's very mechanical and kind of learned and repeated and that's where we um, you know when you were c- kind of wondering where this has come from we meet uh through the fo- a phone call and a series of phone calls that um uh, miss meadows has with her mother mother meadows yeah. um played by the wonderful uh, jean smart jean smart yeah who i always think of first for her um run in Frasier where she played Frasier's love interest for quite a while one of the later series I mean she's such a a prolific actor she's in so much Um, I was actually she was in Garden State funnily enough which uh, we talked about last week with Harold and Maud saying you know Garden State's probably quite heavily influenced by Harold and Maud Um, and Garden State's by no means a perfect film but I think it does epitomise this manic pixie dream girl Mm -hmm. and it reminded me also of this film because Mm -hmm. this film is a kind of a a, taking the idea of a manic pixie dream girl someone who's a bit eccentric but then taking away the lust for life um, in a in a human empathic sense, yeah, and that having to be provided elsewhere um, when we when we meet uh, the love interest, the sheriff, and well, well, see, this is this is interesting talking about comparisons because I would argue that if you were going to compare the the romantic dynamics in each film, I actually think the sheriff is Harold, yes, and and Miss Meadows is Maud. Right? I would agree. I would agree, but in this instance, Meadows is the one who's, uh, you know, the macabre, yeah. the murderer, the one who is capable of, ha- you know, having this kind of cold-blooded uh, way of dealing with life. But the uh, but the idea of one character viewing the other as a, perhaps an escape from their current existence and being yeah. enraptured by someone's complete difference to them yeah. and falling in love with that that feels very much like that's coming from the point of <laughs> yeah. of I, uh, the sheriff towards, i agree you know, i agree uh, and interesting. I, I would be interested to see to know more about the sheriff yeah uh, because it, that's something is not really explored in this film no. uh he is an accessory and i think that's great uh but i would just also be interested in yeah where that could go um, uh played by james badge dale uh 24 uh the departed which he's great in yeah um, Really, really good actor. Started off as a child actor in Lord of the Flies. Yes, he was Simon. 11. He was Simon, wasn't he? Yeah, um, in the uh, the 1990 movie. Yeah. yeah. I, I read uh, on IMDb that he was born James Badgett. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, interesting, you've got, dropped Badgett the T's and gone to Badge. There you go. 
Um, but yeah, re- really, really good. So yeah, so so um, uh, getting to that, she um, there's a sort of meet cute. Yeah. Um, so 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 we sorry, meet, yes. so we meet the the, the mother, the mother Jean sorry, Smart, yeah. uh, on the phone and on this yellow uh, telephone, which kind of really pops, like you say, the color grading on yeah. on everything in Miss Meadows' life is very painted. Yeah. Um, and they have this relationship, and her mother talks the same way as she does, and you go, yeah. oh well, obviously that's where that's come from. Slightly odd, slightly off, uh, offbeat, um, lack of sense of humour, which which actually is very funny. It's it's yeah, and it's it's also worth mentioning that because there are kind of several phone calls with with the mum throughout the film, um, and it's worth mentioning as well. Not only uh, does she speak the same way, but whenever she calls the mum, the mum is doing the same thing that she's doing. Yeah, um, whether that be knitting or yeah, washing or, up, or... yeah, eating breakfast or yeah. So um, so yeah, obviously there's a there's something slightly off about this connection between her and her mum. Yeah. Um, um, from the beginning. Um, so yeah, so, um, yeah, we meet the mum, we meet the school kids, um, who all seem to instantly fall in love with her. Um, yeah. um, which is not the experience of any other substitute teacher, I think. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. but yeah, again, it's, there's something, again, fairy tale esque about this film. It's, it doesn't feel like it's quite in the real world. Um, not just that she isn't, but the whole film, like you say, the because they're not as clear as they could be on building that world, it sometimes slips between the world is like our world, but she isn't. But then sometimes it feels like the whole world is sort of slightly askew. Like, yeah, uh, this idea of, of this small town suddenly being inundated with all these ex-convicts moving in and things like that. It all and the neighbour's reaction to weird. it. Yeah. It just... feels false, but also rooted in reality. Yeah. And I, I find that a bit confusing because this is essentially the end of the, the world building as we know it at the moment. Um, and we're kind of left to go, okay, well, this is a very eccentric film and this is very enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of where we're, we're left. Uh, but yeah, that Katie Holmes, uh, as Miss Meadows, is driving her 1956 vintage car d- yes. uh, across the bridge. Across the bridge, and um, she spots a toad. <laughs> so she leaves the car to go and rescue the toad, and then um, the sheriff... No broken legs, well done. <laughs> <laughs> and then the sheriff turns up um, uh, and explains to her that she can't leave her car parked in the middle of the thing, and, the, and, and um, she again just kind of uses this sort of like you say it does feel like she's almost magic i don't think she is i don't think that's the point but but it's just the, her her incredible way of knowing how to use language to her advantage I think. and her knowledge of the law and the no- yeah uh, statistics and facts she's got an incredible brain for facts yeah um, you also get... not uncommon with people on the autistic spectrum either you well, know having a great memory you get the impression that she has lived her whole life consuming books yeah and consuming knowledge and not nothing else and not really lived outside of of that um yeah which again becomes clear in, in um throughout the relationship with her and her and the sheriff um but so i think that's that's the idea you get that she had just has this huge kind of wealth of knowledge inside her um because mm. it's not just with lawyers, it's anything she seems to factually kind of pick up on and, and be able to explain um so yeah they they have this kind of sparring um, and it is you're right it is a meet cute yeah um you know a very different one to the Harold and Maud one which again <laughs> yes, is a very yeah. different take on it but yeah. um yeah they have this moment in the road um and uh you can see that he's very taken with her yeah um 
and uh, and then yeah they go their separate ways yeah. um apparently there's a gaff here as well uh in that the car he's driving the sheriff's patrol car is uh canadian oh, um okay. even though the film was set and shot in ohio yeah so it's a very weird hollywood fact for you but that's the only mistake that anyone's been able to notice wow very good there you are very um good. yeah and uh and then we've got this the meet cute turns into a date because at the end of the school day yeah. the sheriff finds her sheriff finds her gives her this book um uh about the english language essentially a little teaching book about how to speak properly <laughs> yeah which i found weird because she obviously that's her thing is that she's excellent at it yeah i thought he was showing her to be like look i've bought this so i can kind of be on your wavelength but then yeah. he gave it to her as a present yeah. and and yeah and she said oh i've never actually owned it um so they go, yeah, and and yeah, he says, uh, um, "Can I take you for a spin uh, in my vintage seventies yeah. truck?" Trying, you know, using thinking that she's obviously got a penchant for. So um, so yeah, so they go and have this picnic in the ground, which again, I can see, I can see what Lara has said about these two films because thinking about it, there's a lot of set pieces that are similar, like yeah. like like the driving away from the policeman for example yeah. and now going and having a picnic on the grass in a very similar yeah that's there's a, i haven't thought about it whilst watching the film but now reflecting i'm like there are yeah i mean i mean it's probably another film that's been influenced by harold and maud yeah i, um, I should imagine it probably has yeah and that they um the picnic the only food that is mentioned at the picnic is sweets uh, yeah. licorice or uh, butterscotch I think are the only, which again yeah. two in old vintage toy, like sweet shop <laughs> yeah. bags I'm like okay yeah in order for that to be a thing then then the world needs to be like that but it isn't it's no. just her which yeah. it feels like she pulled out of the, of the magic, magic Mary Poppins bag which but, in this case is a tiny clutch bag but also the problem is that they don't <sighs> they also don't go far enough to let us know that it is a contemporary world because like no one no one's on like a smartphone no, no one like there's there's nothing you know overtly 21st century that's shown but you know just from like the clothes that the kids wear and things like that that it's also not period yeah but so you're so you are kind of yes they could have they could have worked harder in making that clearer what they want us to think is this a fish out of water thing or is it a whole imagined world where everything is just slightly a bit old fashioned? But... It's not. It's not really clear. Um, but I think it's the latter, and they just haven't thought it. it hasn't been as thought through as it could be. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is where we kind of go. Oh, well, it's a rom com, and then at the end of the yeah. date, they kiss in the car, and you know, it goes well. Then we have what is the beginning of quite a few very funny scenes. Um, revolving around a church so they they go we're in church the next day and the sheriff's yeah. in church and he can hear the voice cutting through the choir and it's katie holmes yeah. and miss meadows is also a brilliant soprano and singing in the choir uh he's lighting a candle afterwards and you go oh the whole community's at this church this is set in the 50 oh no it isn't yeah it's yeah, set yeah, in a small yeah, town yeah, in ohio yeah, yeah. but is it today or is it not again very unclear but it's got this charming community at the church thing um and he says are you a catholic and you know she says no i'm not but i i like singing in a choir i mean i mean i suppose thinking back to when you and i lived in texas in a small town in texas yeah with those small american towns that there, there, there is an element and 
not saying they're all backwards or anything like that, but but there is an an element because they are quite insular that uh, it feels more dated. Yeah. It feels more dated. Yeah. Yeah. The so, modern world seems to infiltrate less of uh, you know per square mile of a small town like that. I um I agree. I agree. But that wasn't the feel of it because the community didn't feel close. No, you're true. And, yeah. And the geography of the town didn't feel small. Yeah. Yeah, that's it, true. It, it, I, yeah. So I, so I don't really know, but I, I'm assuming that's what the church kind of represented, and the fact that it all centered around this Catholic church, um, and so she says very kind of um, uh, almost yeah, aspergically perhaps. Uh, yeah. I can still taste the ki- your kiss on my lips. Yeah, but not she, there's nothing. There's not a romantic bone in her body, but it no. is a, as such, it's a more romantic thing to to yeah. hear, right? Um, and so they go home yeah. and they engage in coitus. Yeah, and it and. I mean, to me, it seems like they're telling us that this is her first time. I think like, so. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. Possibly because... even her first kiss in the car. I think so. Yeah. I think and the kiss this was. is this is what I say about, I feel like it's been the idea that her whole life has been consumed by nothing but, yeah. but kind of reading and, and being solitary. And this sheriff is wholesome guy is yeah. opening her you know world up and introducing yeah. her to things much like Maud might do to harold yeah or, so i suppose yeah um, it's, it's swapped again but um yeah it's 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 uh it's a similar it certainly is a similar dynamic i think um um but i guess yeah maybe they interchange between the harold and Maud mm. characters um i think so i think it is taking point. i mean again i think it reminds me very much of uh, natalie portman and zach braff in garden state when yeah where she's going, come on, just live a little. And it, I mean, I don't think there is a more uh, more of an epitome of a manic, manic pixie dream girl concept yeah. than Natalie Portman in that movie. Yeah. And then, and it's very problematic as a result. Um, but it felt almost, yeah, there are elements of Garden State in there, but I just wasn't sure who was who. Yeah. Because it, it is switching. Um, I mean, I, I, I also get the impression, not necessarily that, 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 that the sheriff is a virgin as well, but but that he's not someone that he's not a Lothario. He's not no. someone that's had a string of relationships. I think he's someone that's been quite solitary as well. It wasn't and a romantic, kind of uh, steamy, solid. sex scene. No, it was a very, very funny scene yeah. where uh, Miss Meadows can't stop laughing. Yeah, um, and you know, rhythmically, it's all over the place, and yeah. he's not sure whether he, she's laughing because he's ba- they're bad in bed, or, yeah. what, or and, and trying to work. I think he plays this really well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, James Badge Kale, Dale, uh, Dale. Sorry, um, <laughs> Kale would be better. I can't read my handwriting. James Bad, Badget, Badget. Uh, should have been his mm. sheriff's name. Actually, should have been. Uh, we refer to him as the sheriff uh, purely because <laughs> yeah. that's the, they referred the characters referred to each other only as Miss Meadows and, and sheriff. sheriff. Yeah. But his actual name's Mike. Yeah, uh, and her first name's Mary, Mary. which we we hear her mother call her that, but, but nothing yeah. else, no one else. Um, which again is a love is a nice thing. It's a nice mm-hmm. little. I don't know what it is, what it means, I don't know what it represents, but it's nice. nice. Well, I I um um. <laughs> The Mary thing is nice because she's got a lamb. So it's like Mary had a little lamb and mm. talks later about being the black sheep of the family. And oh, well, the black sheep still was a lamb once. And there's some nice There's stuff some nice imagery. Being and... called Mary. Yeah, I quite like yeah. that. Um, yeah, no, I'd agree. Um, but I, I don't know. It doesn't tell us any more about the world we're, we're in. Um, no. It's, it's just, just a nice storytelling technique. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing about this film, isn't it? Is that is that 
it's 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 just kind of not substantive in any way but yeah the stuff on the surface is really nicely written and nicely performed and nicely filmed it's just there's not a huge amount of depth there and they kind of tell you everything and i think that's it it it, there's almost i actually i never thought i'd say this about any kind of piece of art but it kind of almost would benefit from having a corporate producer who would say i don't understand can you explain it to me like because they don't there's clearly no no one saying can you make the story clear can you have it home and that means that you've got all this lovely little nuance and little tiny details yeah. and great bits in it but there's no overarching arching structure of the yeah. that guides you from section to section or scene to scene yeah um which is i think it's lacking a little bit in places which is part of the thing that sometimes makes it feel really fresh and quirky and, yeah. and fun to watch but but when you get to the bits that are the plot it it's it, it it makes it a bit laboured. Yeah. Um, I think. Um But yeah, um so yeah, they kind of start this burgeoning relationship. In the meantime, she keeps having these chats with her neighbour, yeah, who is uh, absolutely paranoid and petrified about the fact that that these ex cons from the local prison have been released and they're all moving into the neighbour. Which is also weird because she was the neighbour who was the normal suburban, absolutely fine set you know settled standard neighbor yeah who made miss meadows pointed out her eccentricity yeah. you know and yeah. now miss meadows seems like the normal one and the neighbor's a paranoid lunatic <laughs> yeah who's putting bars on her windows yeah. because the local prison uh they, they're worried that 200 odd convicts uh yeah. have been released and might be settling in this town yeah um, um so yeah. yeah so miss meadows takes her class to the park um for a little trip yeah and uh for a field trip and um uh, again it's just showing bonding with them more there's one girl in particular that's really taken a shine to miss meadows and i think this relationship is key for two things not yeah. obviously for the plot as we go through it but also this little girl who's really taken to miss meadows talks in the same vernacular as miss meadows does yeah and this is a problem i think in terms of what you're speaking to the consistency of who talks how yeah. We don't see her grow into a fan of Miss Meadows. We see them existing in the same world with the same vocabulary. Yeah. And I think that that is uh, a bit of a mistake to, to miss out that journey. I mean, this, this is the thing. It runs it runs at about 97 minutes. And I think they could easily have done 15, 20 minutes more of this film. Yeah. Just, just to flesh out things like that. Because it is... That's what's kind of lacking. It's just... The film... It's weird. It's paradoxically, it feels kind of laboured, but also rushed at the same time. Um, yeah. And and I just think and and the pacing is a bit off at times, and the editing seems a bit off at times. Like scenes that go on longer than they need to, and then scenes that we really need to be invested about seem to finish too early. Mm. And there's, it, it, I felt quite jarring. Um, I agree. Sometimes I agree. I didn't relax fully mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So she yes she's got the kids in the park and she decides to very generously buy the whole entire class hot dogs yeah like that's a hefty bill on teacher's wage yeah but then oh maybe she doesn't need money maybe she's a millionaire maybe she's magic i don't know yeah um so she goes into the hot dogs shop called top dogs yeah top dogs uh, and everyone's been shot by i just a hate crazy that you hate that when you go get hot dogs <laughs> and everyone in the shop's just been shot by a crazy man 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, like the level of crime in this small suburban yeah. town. Um, uh, but again, maybe that's a it's kind of mass shooting. It, in yeah. It. Um. So yeah, uh, she gets that in no there. one's heard or been in a, but yeah, and we didn't hear any of the gunshots, even though no. they clearly just. It's just happened and yeah. there was a five minute scene outside the shop. But again, yeah, again, not quite, it's not quite natural. Everything's just slightly non-naturalistic. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so she comes in and finds the shooter and he says, I want to kill myself. And she says, good, I think you should. You're of no use to the world. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. You really are cold. But yeah. then also, but not when it comes to kids and not when it comes to maybe your relationship with the sheriff. Well, I think this is the interesting thing about how they set the very beginning up with the little animated mm. animals and stuff like like the start of a disney film and it's like that's how she views the world because in a disney film there's no you know um uh uh scar isn't yeah. you know arrested and then there's a trial <laughs> and then you know he's sent it like like there's no justice system in disney films Bad guys die and good guys win. I mean, I also I don't think that's just a fault of the fact that it's a Disney film. I think it's also because they're lions and they don't have a legal system. But yeah, you're right. That is true. Bad guys die. Haven't you ever heard of a kangaroo court? Hey, so Very good. Um, they, um, yeah. I mm. think I think the idea maybe is that she. Uh, the world through her lens is Disneyfied in that very black and white morality way, and that's why she's she she has no concept of the legal system or the justice system, or that it's not her right to take away a life, even though that person is quote unquote a bad person. I think yeah. she views morality in a very kind of Old Testament binary. good and evil binary yeah. way, and saying this person is bad, therefore they need to be removed from the story because the uh, i.e life because yeah. bad guys don't succeed or, or or triumph so therefore we need to get rid of them that is very much that's the how way a disney story works. miss miss meadows works mm. and how disney story obviously if disney was a bit more nuanced uh then we'd know that scar is actually the victim of the story because he's been ostracized um for being a homosexual lion and cast out with the hyenas and has very little choice um so actually i think we should all feel sorry for scar at the end of lion king Scar's gay. Yeah, I didn't know that. Definitely. Oh. That's anyway. It's not just my theory. It's a theory that is uh, gay Twitter, queer Twitter has um, uh, adopted as oh, quite no, a strong that's one. That's very interesting. Yeah, oh, but I can't unsee that. it now. No, can't, I'll yeah. um, I'll look into that. I mean, it's Hamlet, isn't it? But um, it's Hamlet. But Claudius, Claudius's brother, yeah, is. Sorry, Claudius, Claudius. Uh, Hamlet's brother, is gay. gay in in the Lion King story. I think that's why Jeremy Irons was uh, giving quite a very vocal camp performance. The white reason why Scar never has a partner um, and can't continue the dynasty and is cast out. We should and it turns him into a bitter man. We should do a production of Hamlet with a gay Claudius, mate. That's that's it. Watch Let's this space. Let's do it. It's coming coming your way in twenty forty five when theaters are reopened again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, um. She, he then goes. Oh, I've changed my mind. I'm gonna kill you. Yeah. So yeah. So and that's then, really important. Yeah. And then she gets out the gun and says, "Absolutely not." Yeah. Um, <laughs> shoots him and shoots him. Yeah. Nice um, moment. So this is the second. Now, how do you feel about the um, the amount of people we actually see her kill in the film? Because I feel like we needed 
I feel like we've seen we, two. We've yeah. seen two murders, and we're already maybe now over halfway through the film. Yeah. So I think after you got that first one, maybe there should have been like a montage. I don't know. Like I feel like I needed to see yeah. her kill more people. No, definitely to get this idea. And 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 also, whilst all this is going on, at, we go to the police station. And they are aware that there is a female vigilante on the loose, and there's been a uh, identity kit picture yeah. done, and it looks not dissimilar to Katie Holmes. And That's where she's described as the, the as, uh, a pop fiction, pop fiction Mary Poppins. Poppins. Yeah. So, but again, it doesn't feel like that's clear. That's sort of thrown away. And also, and this then, is, these are although we're halfway through the film. She's and I moved don't know very how recently, people... yeah. right? And she said she's been in this town for five months. So this is quite a long period of time has passed. Yeah. Um, and also, presumably, her and the sheriff have been having regular sex. I feel like it's really important that we need to know how many people she's killed. I think she's. I think. I think we do, and I think it's two, and I think it's not enough. <laughs> right. I think it's very clear that she's killed two people in a period of about four or five months, and they were unrelated, and the police have jumped to the conclusion that it's the same uh, person uh, which coincidentally is true yeah but there's not a lot of evidence for why but no but she has killed previously in other towns that she's lived in right like when because uh, they know that there was this vigilante who was killing in dayton right and he that's what he she, says he says did you ever live in dayton so we dayton? so through that we do know but again we shouldn't be learning it from like third hand yeah information it's, it's I, I just think they could have been again it, give the film a bit more time and had one or two more little scenes of little treading. scenes of, of 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 that juxtaposition of her being all all sweetness and light, and then and then killing nasty people. Like, yeah, I think yeah, the very beginning of the film, and then the second one halfway into the film, yeah, it, it like you say, it's unclear of is is this someone that's just kind of been pushed that far twice, or is this a, a vigilante that's that makes a point of doing? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, you're right. The police officer gets his information, puts it in a drawer, the identity kit, and tries to ignore it. But then does go and visit her, um, you know, their boyfriend and girlfriend, presumably, um, and says, you know, uh, is there anything you're not telling me? And she says, yeah, I'm pregnant. We're gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have a baby. Yeah. And he says, oh, uh, right. Well, well, I want you to marry me. Yeah. Oh, sorry. As well, we should say. We we're already aware of that because there's a scene with her getting uh, an ultra not yeah. an ultrasound but getting the getting the pregnancy getting a pregnancy test, result yeah uh, result um and uh, because she says in that scene um do you think I'm a bad person for bringing a child into a world mm. like this yeah. um which again just reminded me of 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 other things that I then wanted to watch namely the incredible scene in Utopia, the British one, not the American one, uh, Neil Maskell's character in yeah. the airport departure lounge where he tells her mum and her child that she's done the worst thing she could ever do by bringing him into the world yeah. and that the carbon footprint of humans is is the biggest danger to you yeah. know, and all that. It was <laughs> terrifying but amazing monologue he does. Um, um, but obviously it's that. You are the virus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that thought that she has as well percolating there um asking the nurse again that you know that there's just something emotionally detached like she's not yeah emotionally reacting about being a mum she's she's analytically looking at it going i'm 
you know, bringing a bringing someone into a world like this is a, is a selfish thing for me to do. Um, and it's not just the thought process that that possess you know presents her as as uh, it would be easy to say she was hyper rational, but yeah. we also know that's a very sexist trope because we are told that women are super emotional. And so therefore just being, if it was a man having those questions, would be would we be asking that question? So I'm, I'm kind of raising it. Yeah. But also I want to, you know, hit home that if you see the scene we're talking about and, you see, you know, and the film in general, it's not just the fact that she's having those questions. Yeah. It's the way in which it's delivered. Yes. And the emotionally detached way in which it's handled. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is also, I, I, you know, I think it's currently Hopkins making a point. Yeah. I think it's deliberately done that way. Yeah. In order to say, you know, this person isn't, mad this person isn't hysterical this person isn't a woman who's gone bad it's a, a really eccentric character yeah and that can exist without all the the other tropes of, of of female identity yeah although i would uh question uh karen lee hopkins uh commitment to um kind of uh uh, uh deconstructing kind of misogyny in film because of the end but we'll get to that yeah um, uh, it, it, uh, we'll it's get, not we'll a hyper-feminist movie no. uh, yeah um, but that's an interesting thing we should talk about um, um, so uh, so she, he yeah. proposes and I'm fully expecting her to say no yeah. to say like why yeah. why would you that's a ridiculous thing we don't know each other and yeah. she goes has a think and she goes yes and then yeah. she's really happy yeah um, and, they, and she skips da- taps down the road uh, the you know on this forest trail and I think oh okay well it's nice to see that she's happy I think but also has he forgotten that she's a murderer is this going to be okay we'll see how this goes yeah yeah so yeah so yeah we should say at this point he's just learned about the vigilante and just seen the the thing yeah. um the uh, identikit so he is starting to think that there's a similarity and then he learns that she was at the park where the shooting happened and that they know that the shooter was shot by someone else yeah so they're linking that again um and he kind of um uh goes around to her house when she's gardening to kind of ask her about try and get some more information out of her and she's got a lovely uh a lovely line one of the best lines of the film i think where he says he says is there something you're not telling me? And she just looks at him and goes, there's lots of things I'm not telling you. I just really like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. Again, she's very honest. Um, yeah, she's not um, deceitful character. No. no. Um, at all. Um, so, yeah. So then what happens um, is... Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, just um, before we move on, at the park, after that shooting happens, she goes and gets ice yeah. cream and... All, all the kids are surrounding this dog and this quite creepy looking guy has the dog and he's behaving quite creepily. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and, and, and you think instantly, I thought, oh, well, he's next. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we later learned this is, this is the particular ex-convict that the neighbour was worried about that's just moved on onto their block. I forget the character's name. Uh, Skylar. Skylar. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, played by an actor called Callan Mulvey, I believe, mm-hmm. um, who was in a couple of the Avengers movies, who I just kept looking at and thinking of um, of uh, 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 Ted uh, Levine, uh, Silence of the Lambs, Buffalo Bill. Oh, he yeah. He looks so much like Buffalo yeah. Bill. Um, 
And, and his character's not far off. His character's not far yeah. off either. But yeah, that kind of quite long face um, with the sort of straggly long hair. Um, and he keeps shouting at his dog, Frank, so we know that there's a... But yeah, he he's a bad guy. She spots him, you know, after having killed the last bad guy. And you think, oh, he's going to be next. Um, so all this happens is pregnancy, the proposal. And she has a chat with her mother. Yeah. Um, and uh, he, you know, she says, oh, what do you, you know, what's what's going on and we can hear him sh- this neighbor shouting at frank in the background the dog and she goes oh i've got to go mum she says oh why she says oh, i'm gonna go visit a neighbor says, oh great don't forget your manners you yeah. know you go oh that's where you get your mary poppins-esque line from yeah. so she goes round uh to visit the convict and i'm thinking at this point oh she's gonna kill him yeah uh because he's a nice and uh, not not a nice guy yeah he hasn't done anything at this point no he was just very creepy in the he's past. just very creepy but she goes and talks to him um, and he, you know, says, I've brought tea and crumpets. And he says, that's lovely. And they have a chat. And mm. he says he's kind of mended his ways. And I don't think she's very convinced by it. But she doesn't shoot him. No, no. She she, she kind of says to him, if you do anything to harm any of these kids yeah. um, that live around here or go to my school, then I'm going to kill them, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's like, no, I hear you. I'm I've, I'm reformed. Um, yeah. Uh, does she, she know what what he was in prison for at this point? Because the sheriff finds out for her. Yeah. But, but I don't. I don't think I we see her no. find out. No. It kind of happened afterwards. Um. But yeah, we we then learned that actually the reason he was in prison was child molestation. Yeah. Um. So whether she knows that or not, she's certainly aware that he's a bad guy. Yeah. And is keeping an eye on him. Um. And not the only bad guy that she has to deal with at the moment, because nice. she then uh, is at the school. Yeah. Um, and one of the uh, priests from the, well, the priest from the, from church, the church that she yeah. sings at is at the school. She mm-hmm. goes in and finds a young boy um, who is being molested by yeah. this priest. Uh, confronts him. The priest says, "Oh no, I'm a you know I do the work of the Lord." Yeah, and she straight up shoots him Just in the belly. Shoots him, yeah, shoots him in the stomach, which is great. Yeah, um, all for seeing uh, you know, the Catholic Church get some kind of comeuppance occasionally. Yeah, um, uh, and then yeah. and then yeah, and then she she um she runs home and she sees that there's someone in her bed. And she pulls the gun out, but it's the little girl from the park. He's been making friends been with making her. Been making friends with her. Yeah. Um, she and, says, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. Yeah. And obviously very scared and asks if it's a toy gun. And she says, no, guns aren't toys. And then she reveals that she saw... Now, she saw her murder the guy in the hot dog yes. thing. Yes. Yeah, I thought yeah. about it, yeah. Um, and, uh, 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 yeah, but is is not scared of her and 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 she says yeah. oh, uh, uh miss meadows to the rescue miss meadows to the rescue yeah miss meadows yeah. to save the day or something so there's so there's this idea that she is <laughs> that, that perhaps she is going to be a future generation of miss meadows like yeah like there's this idea that miss meadows apprentice yeah um there might be some kind of relationship there but you can see Miss Meadows is is confused because her world has been very black and white and simple and the yeah. binary of good and evil. But at this point, because she is now pregnant and is thinking about her influence of her own child, seeing this young girl and the influence she's had on the young girl, you know, and, and I thought it's it was threaded quite subtly through yeah. with the line outside the top uh, dogs after the, that shooting. She says, when I grow up, I want to be just like you. And she says, don't say that. 
Because why yeah. not? Because because when you grow up you should uh, be, yeah. be your own person I was like is that a part of you it's a tease isn't it yeah I to question think, how good you are being I think but yeah I think the moment of her learning that she watched her kill someone I think is the first spark of her starting to question the morality of what she's doing because she I think is not comfortable with being an influence on her yeah yeah I think you're right but I was just wondering whether it was threaded in a line previously. Slightly early, perhaps. Yeah, it, I wonder about that. One of those lines that pops in retrospect. Yeah. Um, yeah. Perhaps. Yeah. But yeah, there, there is a real question there. And you can see that there's emotion. Yeah. And you haven't seen a lot of emotion no. up until this point. Um. Yeah. And so then she rings her mum. Yeah. And they have a chat. And we learn in about 30 seconds the her life story and history of why... Uh, Miss Meadows is who she is. Yeah. Yeah, again, again, I feel like this could have been flashbacking the whole way through the film rather than it all being done. Well, I thought that's what they were going to do because we saw her as a little girl with shoes and blood on her shoes. Yeah. We saw her again as a little girl um, looking sad. Yeah. And then nothing. Yeah. And then everything. Everything. I was like, well, are you threading it or not? That's what I mean about the pacing. It just, yeah. it's, yeah, it wasn't even. Slightly off. Um, um, but yeah, we learned that she was uh, at the wed- uh, family wedding as a flower girl. Yeah. Um, and she, th- there was a drive-by shooting and yeah. every everyone at the wedding was murdered. Everyone at the wedding was murdered, yes. Including her mother. Dun, dun, dun. Um, now, I... I had wondered actually from the very first phone call because of the similarity of how they spoke and because they seemed to be mirroring what they were doing. I I thought this would be the case. I'm not sure. I did as well. And I'm not saying it's because I'm super clever, but there's a book called Eleanor Oliphant is Completely Fine, Mm. which was very popular a couple of years ago. Um, And it was so popular, in fact, that I didn't bother reading it. Right. Um, you know, sometimes when, it's like yeah. when a song gets overplayed on the radio, you're yeah, like, is yeah, it a good yeah, song? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just on all the time. Yeah. Every time I got on a train, someone had this book. And then a friend of mine said, no, read it. And I read it all in about two days. And it's a brilliantly funny, light uh, novel, but also incredibly dark about a woman who has regular phone calls with her mother who then turns out to be dead right sorry if you're not ready yet um <laughs> twist is uh, we'll do the sixth sense later as yeah. well um but but it, it's very it reminded me a lot of that because Alan Oliphant is a character he's been through trauma therefore has blocked something out and has a disconnect and is constantly asked if they're Asperger's and like yeah. I, 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 there were a lot of similarities between that character and this character um, and so when she was on the phone with her mum, I went, oh, her mum's dead. Oh, no, I don't know. That, that might not be the case. But yeah. then it turned out it was the case. Yeah. So I know, but I think it was a little bit to do with that book um, that made me think that. Yeah. But then it does make sense because of the bright yellow phone, the fact that you she's always doing what what uh, she's do- well, yeah. they're always doing the same thing. Yeah, the knitting, the knitting made it really yeah. clear. I think when they when they were both thought that's an oddly specific thing to both be doing at the same time, mm-hmm. and it was, I was like, there's something not right about this. Um, uh, and the fact that her mother also just justifies everything she does, and she kind of, you know, yeah, you realise that this moral thing has come from the ghost of her dead mum yeah. saying, ah, you've got to put the things the world to rights yeah. because no one else is. You know, she says, I'm finally ready to say goodbye to you. Yep. And then, uh, yeah, kind of 
leaves the phone off the hook and you hear that obviously for the whole time it was just it was just the, the um, dial tone the dial tone yeah, yeah. um uh, and then i think we're pretty much at the wedding aren't we well yeah so she's gonna go off to the wedding she's agreed uh, previously with the little girl who was in her bed that she yeah. can be the flower girl and i'm going oh uh, yeah yeah a nice bit of foreshadowing there yeah. um um well no after after shadowing post shadowing <laughs> yeah um and uh post malone's new album <laughs> i mean it should be yeah. actually no post malone's next album should be the greatest hits of nirvana if you haven't <laughs> seen that live stream you need to see it it's weirdly good and i don't know why he's done it it's the equivalent of watching like i i don't know like lewis hamilton dance at the royal ballet i mean yes mm. it's impressive but i'm so confused i can't get past why it's good it's such a weird thing to happen. Uh, yeah. Um, so so then at, at this wedding, so he's obviously there with his lieutenant friend. Yes. Um, waiting at the church. She's at home getting ready with a flower girl. Yeah. All the kids from the class are the guests at the wedding, which is very Disney and very... It's very odd, isn't it? I it's really, like in the sound of music. I really dislike... It happens more in TV shows than I think it does in films. But I really dislike films and TV shows where the the only people that exist in the world that you're watching are the people that you've met yeah. in that film. Like, like, like. I don't think the lieutenant's his best man in real life. Like, he'll have a brother, he'll have a childhood friend. Have, I don't think the guy that he works with that so far we've only seen them have basically a very professional work relationship. It was is one, then his yeah. best man. Was... Other, other, yeah, one time he says, "Oh." Did you ever question your relationship with your wife? Yeah. And that was a bit friendly. But, like, not to accept, like, these are best friends. There was one moment that confused me that I think was trying to build their friendship. Right. Where he says, uh, he throws a ball at him and then he throws it back angrily because he's... And, and, and the lieutenant doesn't know why, but it's because he thinks that his wife might be... Deep down, yeah. there might be the vigilante. And he comments at how he throws the ball at him. He said, oh, I thought I taught you better than that. And I'm like, sorry, are you suggesting that you taught him how to throw a ball? Because you're at the most five, five years younger than him, <laughs> if anything. You're like you're yeah. his younger schoolmate. Yeah. And you don't seem to have the relationship of people who would have taught each other to throw and catch. No. Like that's what an old man says to a young man. I tell you I tell you why it annoys me. It annoys me because it, it underestimates the audience. Because clearly the thought process is an audience will be confused by a face they've not seen. Yeah. And I'm like, well, no, they wouldn't. If you had someone, if you had a, an extra stood next to James Badgedale's character, yeah. you would just go, oh, he's his best man. Maybe he's his brother. It's not yeah. important. But like, at least it it makes it feel like the world is real because no, all the kids wouldn't be at her wedding. And no, his work colleague probably wouldn't be his best man. Like, And it happens so much in film and TV. And I just go, I, I, yeah. this isn't the, more than, like, it's not a play. It's not a, like like I, I, yeah, you don't need to do this. I really really enjoyed uh, Doctor Foster, Mike Bartlett's Doctor yeah. Foster. Um, but the one thing that bugged me is it happened in that all the time, and I think it's because Bartlett's a, a theatre writer, he's a playwright. Yeah. So I don't think he's used to writing big casts. But the amount of like times that people would bump into each other in town, I'm like, no, you live in a big town. You're not gonna every day be bumping into the same six people in different locations. No. Uh, that you don't 
normally frequent like like it and it's just things like that well so just uh, weddings especially are famous because you spend i mean famous weddings are are known for being events that you spend vast amounts of money on on people you don't see yeah. You don't haven't seen them for years, and you're not going to see them for years in the future. But you're but you're going to spend a thousand pounds on them for a meal and a, a disco because you feel guilty, and that's what family's about. Like it's not for you a wedding; it's for all the people you don't. So, so why do these people have a wedding? Why do they always have weddings in Hollywood where they invite their friends? If you'd like Callum to speak at your wedding, um, he is available. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. Um, I mean, actually, Miss Meadows might be the only person who would have me speak at her. Even she might not be that cynical. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, (laughs) move past that. It's a very tiny thing, but it does. It just happens too much, and it just annoys me. Um, um, I mean, I mean, we're 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 the opposite as writers. We constantly just throw names in of characters that we never reference again or never mention. Doesn't Um, matter. We know who they are. Exactly. For half time, we don't. We just needed a syllable. Exactly. Um, um, but yeah, so so she go. She asks her flower girl to yep. um, go out and pick some flowers for for the. Well, she doesn't. She says, "Well, we need a flower. I'll pick a white rose. There's a single oh, white rose she... in the garden. Yeah. I'll go get it." And the little oh, flower girl says, she said, "Go get it." No, no, no. I. Uh, she says, I'll, "I'll go get it for you. You're in your wedding dress." And she says, "No, no, no. Wait. I'll get it. You stay here." Yeah. And she says, "I'm a big girl." And she, she so she lets her then go out into the garden. Yeah. But she does want to keep the girl well, close to, to her. Girl. Yeah. And she is worried. And her, obviously part of her mind's on what lurks outside the door. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which um, could be this neighbour. Yeah. Um, uh, spoiler, it is. And uh, <laughs> yeah. she goes out and obviously Flower Girl's not there anymore. Um, and um, She grabs yeah. a gun bag. Grabs the gun bag and um, goes over to Skylar's property. Because she knows immediately that it must yeah. have been him. That's, and sure enough, I thought I, I thought that this was going to be so much longer. I thought it was going to be, couldn't get into the house, goes in through the back way, finds yeah. where the girl's hidden. No, no, front door, just there, just there. The front door opens to the living room and she's just there tied up in the uh, And it's immediate. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, fine. Now get on with it, fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. absolutely no, no <laughs> suspension built here. No, I don't know if it's bad. I just, it was just not what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah, it's not the way it's normally done. Yeah. But I, yeah, a lot, lot there are that moments like that all the way through the film and I yeah. don't think it's any worse for it. No, no, no. I, um, I, I, I think it's those moments that make it quite quirky and... Yeah. And, quite fresh yeah but yeah she's he's tied her to a school desk and apparently the reason his whole backstory is because he was kicked out of school i'm like yeah. i don't think we need a justification for someone being a child molester no i don't think we do i don't, I don't think we and do, i don't no. i don't also think you've got time to do this have you no because no. based on the length of all your other scenes it's going to be quite short and sure enough they didn't spend that much time on it they just introduced it although i really really like the line um uh, uh, you can't teach an empty chair or anything. Oh, you? yeah. I really like that line. Yeah. Um, it uh, was a it was a great um argument for how dangerous excluding, uh, even the word exclusion. Yeah. Um, is to young people. Well, yeah. I mean, I I do I do some work for a youth arts charity, and uh, um, we're we're often involved with kind of um uh school exclusions or, or inclusions as they're calling it now yeah yeah um um but it's just yeah it, it, what they think a young person can, and i mean often these schools their their hands are tied because they're part of 
wider school groups that are run by you know businessmen that have no business being anywhere near our education system um thank you academies yeah yep. um and uh uh yeah that's just not the way that you're going to get through to a young person is to remove them from a situation or to anyone you, you're not gonna if you lose these teachable moments then they're not going to be taught like he said and, yeah. and i just so i just really that line really resonated um and um um but as you say i agree that <laughs> at this point in the film at this stage when the whole film is sort of this disney-esque black and white morality idea spending time on on making us have sympathy for a child molester is isn't your wisest use of your time i think well if you're gonna spend the time on it do it but yeah I, but i just knew they weren't going to and sure enough they didn't it was yeah. like five three yeah. four minutes yeah um and i think the actor um uh, mulvey did really well yeah. with the time he had and, I, and there were some nice lines and you know uh but yeah it was an odd choice um but yeah, he uh, he ends. There was a struggle. She tries to go for it. The yeah. little girl escapes. He then goes to shoot Katie Holmes, and uh, luckily, yeah, at the last well, well, actually, yeah, she she escapes. Katie Holmes hits him over the head with yeah. something or other. Um, yeah, like a weird can lamp. Can- yeah, I don't... like a lamp, but <sighs> I think it was in the shape of a candlestick, like a giant. A giant yeah. candlestick, like a gi- like fifty like. times the size of an actual like candle, like a, a four and a half, five foot candlestick. Is yeah, what it was, or you know, like an old-fashioned bedstead, like the mm-hmm. bottom leg of that yeah. upside down could have had a light fitting on the top of it. Yeah, that's very specific. It was, yeah, but it was a specific thing. <laughs> it was that a I weird don't think I've ever seen before. Um, uh, yeah, but she she hits Skylar with that um, a flower girl. Uh, in the ensuing kind of fight gets away runs away but yeah as you say katie holmes doesn't she um, in, in go- the meantime sorry i should say that the yeah. the children who are the only people at the wedding apart from the lieutenant say to sheriff uh oh excuse me sheriff she's never late like ever yeah. and he's like oh maybe it's not me maybe it is mm-hmm. like something's wrong so, so yeah. he goes to her house yeah he goes to her and then the little girl finds him and says she's got go to think you know the bad man's house or whatever um skyler yeah and uh and so yeah so then we're back to um this struggle and uh miss meadows goes for her bag doesn't skyler gets it gets the gun points it at her um and is kind of having a go at her and sort of that thing is the thing that always Happens. All villains do in films, they never just immediately shoot the person they want to kill. It's weird, um, isn't it? They yeah. just wait until someone comes to save them. Um, but there's but, a gunfire and we're not sure, you know, we assume yeah. that it's Skylar's gunfire, but of course the camera... The camera pans around and it's the sheriff. And this is what I meant earlier when I talked about um, perhaps... Um, uh, I was surprised, given that this was written and directed... Uh, uh, by a woman that it was exec produced by women i why why did they... i find it odd that they that they had to revert to the kind of t- very tired male savior trope when the yeah. whole point is that this woman is incredibly strong um I, I, yeah i completely agree. i don't know why the sheriff had to save her because it just yeah it it just I don't for a second think that he's more qualified no. to kill people than she is. No. Absolutely not. No. Especially not when you look at modern America and <laughs> what policemen do with guns. Um, like, I 
I also think it's made worse by the fact that that it's she's set up as a strong independent woman because yeah, uh, who can who can handle herself yeah because then it's saying like you think you can but when it push comes to shove you can't and then you need a man to save you that's worse yeah. than just having uh, a woman go about going about the business and being saved by a policeman yeah. that's fine i mean but I... don't spend a whole film telling us otherwise and then going oh no not really because actually women being violent vigilantes will never work i think they i think they try and rectify it in the day anymore mm. um there was there was a hit. It's so so it's, suggestive, though. Yeah, it's it's and and I just I just wish that. I mean, he could have still come in, but then that distraction meant she got the gun off him and shot him. Like like it just there so it, many other ways of doing it. But for plot reasons, I get it because he makes the very good point that. The gun has his fingerprints on, yeah. and the gun is in his hand when he dies. Therefore, when the bullets, when ballistics trace those bullets back to that they're gun, then they're going to think, it was, gonna think it was he was the vigilante. <clears throat> so I get plot wise, maybe what, but yeah, I, I just think there could have been ways around that 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 still meant that he yeah she shoots him. They wiped the, the gun clean, put it in his hand. Yeah, I mean. There could have been any number of things that meant that she didn't have the to quick be saved thinking by the police sheriff. sidekick could have come to help the fu- help you know sort out of their future, but in that yeah. moment we just didn't need uh, to be saved by uh, a guy. For a film that, for all its flaws, is really quirky and fresh and and really strongly led by a great central female performance, it's just really disappointing that they reverted to that stereotype at the end. Really disappointing. But they go away, presumably get married. We, you know, have this denouement where she's with the baby cooking dinner. Yeah. And then he's in the in the lounge playing the accordion, which is a lovely yeah. callback to... When he something. says he... In the park, when they have the picnic, and he says, yeah, I, I always wanted to play the accordion. Yeah. Um, and she says it's the second most underrated instrument um, behind the bagpipes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he then takes the baby from her and she says dinner's going to be late dinner's going to be late yeah um grabs a new bag mm-hmm. from the side um and he says uh um be careful look after yourself because i always am yeah. and uh uh and then leaves and so i think maybe the fact that he's left up <laughs> quote unquote left home holding the baby <laughs> yeah um i think maybe that's them trying to to retcon yeah, that and and still give her the power at the end that she's off out fighting crime and and he's allowing her to do that and he's staying home looking after the child. I don't maybe maybe that's them. Try yeah, trying to to to, to make sure that the ending isn't isn't him saving her that that there's something after that. that, that but yeah, yeah, I I think you're probably right. Um, but I'm also aware that he's a policeman and um. Is she now doing that for a job? Because she she could be doing that as a. I yeah. I, I yeah I w- I think it would have been quite fun to have an ending credit scene with her murdering loads of people. Yeah, I like if you're gonna do it. If you're gonna do the pop fiction thing, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, and I think also you know that yeah if it's pop fiction Mary Poppins, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's see that. Yeah. Um, and also, if you're going to wrap it up with like 50s nostalgia, I think something that Kingsman does really well mm-hmm. actually 
is all of that, right? Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. And let's make the CGI brilliant, but also visible. Let's show them yeah. that we're doing it. And let's have the, the, the 50s glasses and yeah. the umbrella guns. And I, I would have loved to have seen the, the envelope pushed a lot further. Yeah. Because what, yeah, what's good about the film is its freshness, its quirkiness, its silliness. Great performances. There's yeah. not a bad performance in it. Um, yeah, I just think it could have been more, more ridiculous. But one one thing I do want to say about the end that I think is is super clever and I really appreciated is the fact that when you see uh, 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 Katie Holmes in the Denouement, she is now wearing sixties clothes and she has a sixties hairstyle. So she's, instead of a, so it's like it's, it, that's on. her that she's moved on. Yeah. And I really I really like that choice. That uh, is a really good wise. point. I hadn't. I just noticed the hair. And I, I didn't really think, well, oh, that's that. 60s. I just went, oh, she's had a haircut. But now yeah. you've said that, that's really cool. The whole the whole thing was, was yeah, very 60s style. And I just thought that, that's a really nice thing that, yeah, that's her evolution is yeah. she's gone a decade on, onwards. So, you know, still has ways to go. But, you know, she's moved on past the person she was at the beginning. Yeah. Which I really like. Um, One little shout out of mm. something else that I loved about the film was the music by uh, Jeff Cardoni. I had to look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done loads of soundtracks. But it felt like I I don't think the score, like the film, hangs together all that well. Yeah. Um and I actually found it annoying that it ended on Boots Are Made for Walking. It seemed a bit predictable for a film like this. Yeah. But I I think the actual score is brilliant. And I think at the beginning it was kind of like when we talked about that blue velvet white picket fence thing, it's kind of what Desperate Housewives nods to very well. Yeah. Um, is that slightly off the wall? Uh, and Danny Elfman is Desperate Housewives. Yeah. And I think it sounded very Danny Elfman yeah. in the opening of this movie. And I think Jeff Cordoni kind of took these tropes and, and guided us musically quite well. But then there were huge amounts with no music. And yeah. I'm going, is that because you didn't want any as a, you know, currently Hopkins? Or is it because... Jeff Cardone went, I don't know what you're going for here, so I'm just going to leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think, actually, it would have been more helpful to have a bit more of a score in some places. Yeah. Or none at all. I don't know. Interesting thought. I don't know the answer to it. But, um, yeah, some nice music. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's kind of it. I I do think it's interesting that Katie Holmes exec produced it, um, as well as starring in it, Hmm. given the 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 timing that it's it's an interesting film for her to do about a, a kind of a a fierce fearless woman writing wrongs um after this wouldn't have been long after coming out of what was allegedly um, an abusive relationship a, right, abusive relationship with Mr Cruz so yeah Mr. I mean Cru- and not just Cruz of course the the entire Church of Scientology, Scientology yeah who uh, made her life incredibly difficult um, yeah actually so, I mean it should be talked about a, a lot more but yeah. what what tom cruise and, and the scientologists yeah. did to katie holmes is not cool um if you go on if, if 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 you're interested go on youtube and um uh look up the actress leah remini who you may well know i mean the only really well-known thing she did was uh king of queens with kevin james oh. she was the the wife in that yeah um but she was in the church and then left and has basically near enough quit acting to basically full-time try and just shut them down and spread the word about how awful they are and she has just made documentary after documentary and is constantly um on chat shows talking about it and things like that so yeah look up the aremony and what she's done about um church of scientology because she's really eye-opening 
Um, wow. And it goes into the home stuff and crew stuff and all that. Um, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. I think she was at their, their wedding and uh, was in with, with, at that time with Ben. So, um, kind of yeah, it's a really interesting stuff. But I just think it's an interesting film and subject matter for someone that's gone but come out the other side of that mm. to do. And it doesn't surprise me that she'd want to make a film like this. Yeah. Um, and, and and I haven't really talked about um, um, how good she is. We've said it's a very strong yeah. central performance, and it is. But it's just a reminder of like she's really good. Excellent. She's very yeah. funny. She's she yeah. she's such a great dancer, a great tap dancer. Yeah. Um, you know she's got this sense of humor, and um, I think the two words I'd use to describe the theme of the the film is like humor and pretense. Yeah. And what that means and how we use it to justify certain things. And yeah. who's got more pretense? The people pretending that it's not their yeah. place to get involved? Or is it Miss Meadows who actually gets right to yeah. the quick? And that question is posed. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, by no means a perfect film. Um, but really I, would, I would rather an imperfect film trying to do something original than another you know mass-produced sequel or remake so exactly, i mean yeah. for that it's for that it's worth a watch um, do you remember when films were were not either remakes or sequels oh, I know. or prequels I know. I know i mean that is so, such a at the moment as well yeah like it would be really nice if if out of this pandemic the film and tv industry went okay we're gonna create a load more things you've had time to read all the scripts now yeah and then you see the cinema start to go and you go oh no it's just marvel isn't it it's yeah. just gonna be more i mean they're great movies but yeah. it, like come on yeah so no i mean it's and it's it's free to watch on amazon prime um yep. so do i i definitely worth a watch definitely worth a watch a really fun way to spend an hour and a half um so yeah that's about it from us this week uh next week we are getting into some uh east asian cinema with a bit of infernal affairs yeah i forgot about this those of you uh who know your films will know that is the film that the departed is based on so um we may well end up watching both and talking about both because i think it would be interesting to I compare think it would be two. interesting to look at them i um, love the departed and i've never seen infernal affairs so. uh i i have i have seen both in Infer- a long time ago i watched infernal affairs um yeah maybe about 13 years ago 14 years ago and the thing i re- thought was it's it's basically if you took the departed and just did the pure plot and none of the character detail and none of the nuance and none of the things that scorsese puts in that and it's literally just the action plot that's infernal affairs because infernal affairs is about an hour and a half and the departed is close <laughs> to what three hours yeah. so but it is the same story so that's you can see what what they've taken out is is all the depth really yeah. and it's and it, but but it is still a great great action movie um so it's interesting that they can be so similar and so different. Um, so That'd yeah, be really fun. Yeah, be fun to get into that, which we will do next week. Um, in the meantime, you can always let us know um, what you think of this podcast, what you thought of the film, if you went and watched it, if you've got any ideas for us. Our Patreon is always up and running, and the link's always at the bottom of the description. If you've got a spare fiver, um, do chuck it our way and give us something uh, fun and exciting to get our teeth into. Be great. Um, in the meantime, you can uh, do all that uh, via a number of channels, including uh, Twitter at Macabre Podcaster. You can get in touch with us via email, podcastermacabre at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, fb.me forward slash podcastermacabre. 
and you can listen to any requests you can listen to the jonathan creek podcast all that good stuff on apple itunes uh spotify google play anchor wherever you get your podcasts from and do please like share and subscribe on all of those channels as well Okay, in the meantime, I have been David Shopland. And I've been Callum Hughes. And thank you for listening. Thank you so much. See you next week. Bye. When the drunks start singing this way Baby's got her best dress Hope you got a minute Hope you want me in